Welcome to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we are psyched to be here for our first episode, you guys. Yeah, this is so exciting. We've gotten back from our first trip to Helsinki. Oh my God. And it was incredible. Uh, It is the weirdest, most interesting place because it's such a feminist country and we've never been anywhere like that before. I can't wait to bring you guys the episodes because there are all these key factors that make their culture, I mean, obviously make their culture what what it is, but there are important things that went into fostering that, that we really want to unpack with you guys. We have so many uh, interviews and so much footage to comb through. That's what we're working on right now. But some of the highlights include uh, Courtney and I going to uh, Lolu, Lolu, which is a, a really cool sauna spot. I don't know if you knew this, but Finland has more saunas per capita than any other country in the world. While we were there, I was just looking up random news articles about Helsinki and they're in the New York Times they feature like prime real estate from whatever location and they're one for Helsinki it was just so funny they they were like and the couple has plans to install a state-of-the-art state like sauna into their new apartment it's they're so so intrinsic to the culture it's like apartment buildings have it built in a lot of them people's jobs like their work has a built-in And um, the interesting thing that we found out is like, that's where fins get deep is Uh in the sauna. They notoriously hate small talk, but they will go hella deep when they're naked in a sauna. And Courtney and I at Loilu, we were like, uh, Loilu. It's really hard to say any words that are Finnish. They look (laughs) like you should be able to say them, but then they're all like too much. They're like, you're like, what? (laughs) We were laughing because we would look at, like I'm addicted to sugar-free Red Bull and we would look at the can with the Finnish <laughs> the Finnish words on there and it would be like, yeah, I know that's supposed to say like sugar or carbs or whatever the hell and it would just be like some crazy Finnish word. We were like, whoa. And the street names are so complicated and long and we had such a hard time pronouncing anything. But luckily, most Finns speak English and way better English than uh, Americans. Like their vocabulary is so vast. If you want to feel a little bit of shame, a lot of reverence for a culture and a, a, it's quite a bit of shame <laughs> for the culture you grew up in. If it was, if you're American, go to Helsinki. Helsinki. You will definitely feel both. <laughs> yeah. And also apparently like you got to go once in winter, once in summer, because it's totally different. We went in winter, obviously. And we're going was, back. Yeah, we're definitely going to go back. But this was so, it was so beautiful. You guys, it was so beautiful and so snowy. And like it made me honestly love snow now. I know it, it what's shocking about the city. We did literally we didn't take one Uber or whatever the Finnish equivalent never is. were in a car, no taxi. We took the me- we metro around, system, the trams, trams, trams the trains, buses, and uh, they're like so crazy good with their public transport. Like none of it was ever late, not even by like a minute. We would be late to yeah. meet it sometimes. Sorry, because, Micah. <laughs> yeah, Micah's her videographer. But it is so crazy because you forget that it takes so much longer to get to it somewhere because you're traipsing through the snow like mm-hmm. literally and so we would just forget to add like an extra double the time to get to a place so we were always late but 
Um, and we got like 20,000 steps a day, but we were, but it was transport was so efficient and so good. And none of the seats were cut up. You guys, what's up with that? All the leather seats inside the trains were like, not even a little bit different. It was like super high tech train, totally new, beautiful, well taken care of. And it's shocking in se- I am from Minnesota. It's shocking that in such a wintry place, they can have such efficient public transportation. Yeah, they, I was expecting us to have to take cars. Yeah, and and everyone just walks around and stuff. It's kind of nuts. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I know. I got back and then I, I wore my snow boots for the whole next week. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing the beanie they gave us right now. I know, I am. Um, I was really grateful for the beanies and for the rain shoes because like once all the snow got slushy, you like couldn't wear your snow boots because they would get wet inside. So you had to wear kind of rain shoes. And then the beanies most of your heat escapes through your head and you really needed the, those they beanies. also gave us some amazing wool socks that oh my god yeah two pairs of socks you they had were to like do, little foot heaters yeah you had to put on regular thin socks then these wool ones then the snow boots and then you felt like you were walking on clouds it was, it was real nice oh you guys what a trip so so yeah some of the things i just want to tell you that we'll be talking to you about is like the whole feminist culture in uh, helsinki and what is, it means for dating and for relationships and also how it's been bolstered by this reverence for their grandmas which i thought was so dope in in la a place where we're like women over 45 fucking Go get die. in the trash can yeah <laughs> It's like, uh, it's awesome to see a society where even you can see it in their art. The art, um, we went to this exhibit um, in the Finnish National Gallery, the Ateneum, which is like, had the most incredible art. Mm -hmm. Um, They had this exhibit called People. And I took so many pictures of it because most of the people were women, and that mm-hmm. would never happen in an American mm-hmm. exhibit ever. And we were just like, oh. Self-portraits painted by women. So many portraits of women, but not just like doing one thing, like women who are peeling potatoes, rich women who are dancing, uh, a lot of relationships that were intergenerational, a lot of portraits that were like a grandma, a mom, a daughter. Old women, just oh, a lot of old women. So cool. And then when we were at the library, there was like a knitting circle that was all these women. They were just sitting around knitting together. And we were like, dude, it's... It's like you're part of a girl gang your whole life in Finland. It's like old ladies, young ladies, you're all just like being ladies and passing on your wisdom and being an intergenerational. And it also contributes to their culture of having um, a lot of young female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. A lot of the women we talked to started their own businesses in Nina their 20s. Parika, uh, the sisters behind Ivana Helsinki. We, yep. We're, we're going to bring you all these stories, but we were just kind of blown away by these young female entrepreneurs that were just getting it. And we were blown away by a culture that clearly sees their citizens as their like biggest investment. That's what they invest into. And that was really just the trip because here we worship like the dollar. So it's just totally, it's a different uh, focus on different priorities. And especially while we have like Trump in office, who is just business first selfishness first Mm -hmm. and going to a place where it's like their library legitimately has 3d printers that anybody can use can you imagine feeling that supported by your municipality how crazy you just go in there and they're like oh yeah i'm i'm printing a new thing for my glasses that broke you're like what is this we literally saw a 
a man who had a crutch, like making a piece for his glasses, which is so awesome because that is empowering. It gives him the opportunity to fix this thing in his life. Like I, we all could use more of that. I don't know. It was really powerful to see it. And they're a lot more into like uh, reusable recycling kind of mm-hmm. stuff and repairing stuff versus throwing stuff out. Not like, uh, you know, fast consumer fast fashion. You guys, these people are worried about the planet. Multiple people said to us, we're worried about the climate. And I would be like, oh, like the political climate. They'd be like, no, the straight up climate. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, they 100% are. And everything that like we had a bunch of really nice food in our little artist residency apartment. And it was like all oat based. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we're like trying to, you know, uh, totally be as vegan or as vegetarian as possible. So their milks and their yogurts are all like off of oat milk. Oh, it's kind of nuts. Um, Elizabeth, who she's going to be, she's one of the people that we interviewed and she was instrumental in putting this trip together. But uh, she was telling us about this app that the city has created or sponsored where they're trying to get people to use their cars less. And it's just really cool to see an initiative like that. And they're really trying to drill down. Elizabeth's like, this doesn't apply to me because I don't already don't need a car. They don't. I'm not their demographic. People like her husband, you know, are the demographic of the app. Where, But I just think, oh, my God, they're so much further along than we are in yeah. that department, especially. Yeah. The focus of things is different. And it really shows. I think like. Uh, the only thing that Courtney and I decided that they were far, far not advanced <laughs> at is making cocktails. Dude, we're, Yo, we're going to try to start a business. That. Yes, we are going to try to Helsinki people. You deserve better. Co- you deserve to know about cocktails. If you've never fucked with a drink that has at least two herbs in it, if some shit hasn't been muddled in it, you are not living. Helsinki. You need some special ice cubes happening. You don't mezcal. even know. You don't even know about mezcal. This hurts us. You don't know what a skinny margarita is? What is happening? You've done You've never so seen a giant ice cube. <laughs> You've done so much for us. We want to do a little something for you. Let us cocktail you up a little bit, <laughs> Finland. We're ready. So needless to say, we have so much to explore uh, related to Finland and Helsinki and that trip. And we cannot wait to bring you those episodes. Uh, we wanted to drop in uh, a quick bonus, though, because... A, we miss you guys. Yes. And then B, this is a super time sensitive thing that we felt was really important to and that's, yeah, that's, let you guys know about. That's one of our missions of, you know, when we're in LA in between uh, travels, we're going to bring you some LA centric stories that we think are are important and, and timely and, and tell an, uh, a really key story. And this is all those things. So yeah. Uh, we get to an incredible chance to sit down with some ladies that have organized um, the first strippers union in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's well the first the first one as of re- yes, in recent, recent years memory. Oh, uh, yes. we we are unsure about all time, but <laughs> but definitely um, they are organizing. There's a new 
basically last spring there was a Supreme Court decision that changed employee classification and for strippers f- for well it actually applied to delivery drivers but it has all the you know the gig economy is huge it applies to Uber drivers Amazon workers and a more unexpected workforce that it applies to is exotic dancers. And I think it's important because they do not get respect for the kind of work they do. So they get left out of uh, labor talks that involve the, this classification because they're kind of the unseen labor force. They're it's like stigmatized. There's shame yes. associated. People are so shitty to sex workers. It sucks. Yeah. So that's why we wanted to talk about this specifically as it relates to strippers and sex workers rather than, you know, delivery drivers. So there are three ladies behind Soldiers of Pole, this unionization effort. Antonia Crane is, uh, we've actually worked with her before. She was on the first season of when the show was Reality Bites. She was on talking about her memoir, Spent, which you guys, check it out. It's an amazing glimpse into- A real life look. A real life look into, yeah, the life of a sex worker. And it's about grief and- I mean, it's been several years since I read it, but it was a really like moving reading experience. So I highly recommend it. And the work that these ladies are doing as soldiers of pole and this unionization effort is really something that I think, you know, they say it in the interview and they're so right. They show up for queer causes. They show up for feminist causes and no one shows up for them. People forget that, um, intersectional feminism includes sex workers. And uh, there's also a lot of people who like to divide between strippers and pole dancers or whatever. And burlesque is one thing, but it's like, no, it's, there isn't such a thing as making strippers feel worse or dirtier because of uh, what they do being at a strip club. We don't subscribe to that. And uh, we really love that the ladies came on here and um, informed us about what we could be doing to be better allies mm-hmm. and also about the monumental work that they're doing. Yeah. So you guys, this is exactly the kind of content we want to be bringing you now. We're really excited to drop this and we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Ladies, we're ready. Let's start. If you guys could each introduce yourselves and a little bit about about yourself. Hi, so um, I'm Naomi, and I have been a stripper here for I want to say seven years. I took a couple breaks in between, but um, working on finishing my BFA, and that's about it. I do various creative projects. <laughs> Love it. Including, well, helping with Soldiers of Pull is what I'm helping with now. I'm Antonia. Been a stripper and sex worker since before any of you listeners were even born. <laughs> and um, activist, sex worker, writer, professor. That's about it. I'm Domino Ray. I'm a stripper and a writer and an EMT and a pole dance instructor. I was born and raised in Atlanta. I came to LA in 05 and yeah. Rad. So one of the things when I was talking to Antonia earlier, you mentioned you guys are three different 
you represent three different decades of dancers. Yes, we do. How did you all come together? Over activism. Yeah, it was International yeah. Horse Day. It was. Yeah. <laughs> or before, or can I say how we met? Yeah. Um, she's my ex-student. Oh, in my I writing love class. That. That's really cool. She actually showed yeah. up in, um, was it memoir or essay? It was the memoir class. The yeah. memoir class at UCLA Extension I that I teach. I read your book. It was so fucking good. So she walks in, like full, like long, beautiful hair, flowy. Because I had to go to work later. And she was so, uh, she's such a strong and sharp, astute writer that the other people in the class kept trying to emulate her. And so I got to actually um, offer, I got to submit her name for an award. For UCLA, were the people for a really emulating me? They I were. I think they were. Cute. That's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I love that you guys met that way. And, and I met her cool. and had I met them, Domino, and had an Insta crush because they're fierce and hot and stripper, and Aww. you should see her floor work. Oh, yeah. And squish. fierce activist, very smart. And I think we just met over activism, honestly. Um, probably Swap or International Horse Day. It was International Horse Day. It was like chilling Before on that, though. Really? Oh, it was saying. Strip Talk. That's what oh, it was. Strip Talk. At the, the ACLU. One. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Strip Talk. That's a per- perfect opportunity. Tell us about Strip Talk. Strip Talk uh, is literally what it sounds like. It's literally uh, when SESTA, FAFSTA passed, which is a legislation aimed at attacking sex workers and removing our presences from online completely under the guise of sex trafficking, um, which is totally manipulation and wrong. Uh, we, I wanted to literally just have a meeting where we could talk. And I called it Strip Talk because I was doing some listening and some supporting of the New York City stripper strike. And I met and had a secret stripper summit in New York City to talk to the women in New York and go to their strip clubs, the urban strip clubs. And I decided to bring it to LA and have a strip talk where we could just talk about the legislation and what we were going to do to protect ourselves. And there were several actually underground meetings um, in dungeons. Some young dominatrixes were giving, uh, opening up their places and having talks. So we have been meeting underground for a while, the last year, year and a half. Yeah, since like last March. Yeah. And it was those talks that inspired you guys or led you guys to start Soldiers of Pole? Or how did you guys tell us a little bit about Soldiers of Pole and, and how you guys got started and kind of a little bit about your manifesto or your mission? Yeah, mm-hmm. so that started December 17th. It's the International Day to Stop Violence Against Sex Workers. And Swap LA, Sex Workers Outreach Project, had a day of remembrance, an event at the East LA Women's Center where we all got together and we did like this art project about gun violence and its impact on the sex working community um, and remembered everyone that we lost in the last year. And so the three of us were talking and we were talking about how it was, we were saying like the employee status was like about mm-hmm. to take effect and everyone was worried about it. And, you know, we'd already, just, there's been so much bullshit, so much wage theft, so much exploitation in the clubs over the years. And we were just, the three of us were just commiserating with one other dancer. And it was just like, we'd reached a tipping point. We're like, okay, something has to happen. Like the, we can't just keep complaining with nothing happening. So we're like, okay, the day after Christmas, we're going to just like do this online meeting. We're just going to go for it. Yeah. And it started December 26th, and we've done one almost every week since then. It's every Wednesday. Every week, yeah. It's an online virtual meetup with literally strippers have to verify that they're strippers and tell us what's going on in their club, what their club is doing to implement the change in the classification of employment. So that happened April 30th, 2018. Can you explain 
a little bit to sure. people who might not know of course. What, the, what it is and what the impact is. Right, but I also want to say that at that meeting, we we three actually made our project together. We yeah, made an art Yeah, we collaborated on a quilt panel. That yeah, that way. So uh, then April 30th, 2018, I've been watching this case. So um, I've come from a family of lawyers, and I was following these barbers in Sacramento walked out when the classification of employment changed. It became from independent contractor to um, employees. And it affects a lot of different types of workers, particularly strippers and Uber drivers and barbers. And who else? Massage therapists, Massage therapists. yoga teachers, truck drivers. Like yeah. any, like. So just to break it down, like a lot of people work under the guise that they're independent contractors, Correct. and now the regulations have really tightened up. So Correct. you can't get away with that anymore. Yeah, if, it's much harder. If, if people are doing employ work as employees under your watch, Correct. you're going to be responsible Correct. Now. And I want to say that um, because of the research I've been doing the last couple of days, that <laughs> uh, if you look at Teamsters from 1901, it was the drivers that fought for the first brotherhood unionization effort and successfully and successfully is an important word because they have been very successful and they again 116 years later won this court ruling with the California Supreme Court and now they've because they sued their company Dynamics they're driving they're delivery drivers they're drivers and they changed the law for us in California so what that means literally is that and we met and talked about this is that now that we're employees we could have before argued before the court like hey we're employees we want to unionize we want these things but now that we don't have to prove ourselves, we're legit, it's absolutely legal, we're entitled, entitled to all of the benefits that any other employee workforce is entitled to, it's a slam dunk. And we have to be employees because that's, mm -hmm. let's just it's not an option. That. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not an option that we're employees. Strippers are all in employees in California in the eyes of the law. So no matter what the clubs are saying, we're employees. And no matter how much you want to argue, we want to be independent contractors. You like, you're not. <laughs> So let's move forward. And let's clarify that. Like some yeah. of the strip clubs were like giving these bogus options in their contracts. Like you get to choose whether or not you want to be an mm. independent contractor or an employee. And that's not a thing. That's not no, a legal not. thing. These contracts are just random documents. Yeah. They just. That been, that have it's intimidation. Yeah. It's, it's illegal. Codified scamming. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's scamming. It's organized crime. Yeah, so there is a ton of wage theft that happens in your industry. Yes. And I was actually shocked to find out how much. So... Mm -hmm. You, if can you explain a little bit to like the lay person about like what clubs are taking from you guys that mm -hmm. is to totally should not be happening? I'd like to talk about the history and then I want to pass the mic. Okay. Yeah. So um, I worked in strip clubs in the '90s that were all owned by people named Bob, Bill, and the Mitchell brothers, and then a huge corporation came in and bought all of those clubs. I mean, literally, they own like 10 out of 12 clubs in San Francisco, this huge corporation. And their model was that they found a way to charge the employee for working for them. And they charged them random, arbitrary, huge fees, uh, 80 to 120 to 180. You'd go in one night, and they're like, it's 80 tonight. You go in the next night, and it's 180. So we started doing extras. Uh, we started giving hand jobs and doing extras. Um, I don't have any shame about that. Mm -hmm. It's just what happened so that you could get that over with and then make your own profit. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen before. And so that happened literally with the, with the entrance of that corporation. The fees went way up. Um, and so I just want to lay that groundwork. And now that corporation has somehow found, had they've been criminals and, and breaking labor code for 
decades and charging workers to work for them. It's a vulnerable workforce. So now I want to talk about what's going on today. Go ahead, you guys. Domino? Yeah, yeah. so these, this big corporation, one in particular, is giving these this bogus choice of whether an independent contractor or an employee. And the choice to be employee was such a terrible deal. Like, you got minimum wage, you had to sell. Like, it's pretty much what they're implementing now. Like, you have to meet a minimum quota of dances mm-hmm. before you start getting a cut of your dance money. Mm-hmm. The cut of the money you receive from giving dances is as little as 40 or 30 percent. Um and like no one would choose that deal in their right mind because it's terrible. So you would choose to be an independent contractor. And even though you chose that status, they were still effectively treating you as an employee because you still had to, they compelled you to sign up for a schedule. They, you know, it was your own free choice. And if you signed up on the schedule. Incentivization. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's illegal incentivization. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you, Naomi. Um, they would give you a bigger cut of your dance money. But, you know, you still, because they were making you they were dictating your the hours you worked, when you mm-hmm. worked. They were charging you fees. Like if you missed a shift, it was $160 or $180, and then you had to work that off. So you'd come in the next time after you'd missed a shift. You'd work all night. You'd sell two, three hundred, whatever, in dances. You know the manager would act like everything was all in good at the end of the night when you came to cash out because they used this cashless system on purpose to deprive you of your own money. They would say, "Oh, well, you know, you missed two shifts last week, so that's you know 260 bucks. So you don't get any money tonight, except for your tips." So they're just finding new way, ways to, to take your money. Take yeah. your money. And now they're getting they're finding ways for us to pay our own minimum wage. Yes. You want to talk about that? Um, basically, clubs are finding um, a way to avoid paying their own business taxes by taking the minimum wage that they're supposed to pay dancers out of our monthly paychecks and putting in a balance of zero dollars. And then what are you saying? They're putting the minimum wage amount up in the margin where the IRS checks it so they don't get flagged. And they're taking all of this minimum wage money away from the dancers saying, well, this is what we need to pay for you to be employees. And you can keep your dance money, but we're still going to take a cut of the dance money. We're still going to expect tip outs if you want to be treated well, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? It's a shell game. What they're yeah, doing yeah. is like they're—they've been evading federal and state taxes for thirty years. Yeah, so they don't want—they've—they're deep in the hole and in, <laughs> in trouble with the IRS, frankly, if they were to be targeted. So they're giving us these bogus paychecks. In my at my club, they're actually bribing us with um, yeah literal Same. release of claims. Mm-hmm. It's not—it's not actually an employment contract. It's a release of claims, and it's basically they're asking us—not asking—they're intimidating and coercing us to sign away all of our rights that we have as employees. They're trying to get in front of it, to have us sign away all of our rights that we have as employees uh, because they know we have these rights now. This is basically the same as Okay, that's what club. they're doing this at is, your club. This mm-hmm. is what I've been sussing out as the weeks go along, yeah. Very educational. So it's supposed to be getting better. There's this new classification, mm-hmm. and so it seems like it should be getting better, but it's not they're intentionally making it as mm-hmm. terrible a deal as possible so that if the if the dynamics decision does get overturned dancers won't make a fuss about it so they can go back to exploitation without taxation so they're making it as miserable as possible they are taking exorbitant amounts of money for us way more than just the operating costs you know additionally from making us employees and there's actually now a complaint that's been filed in California against a major club chain alleging retaliation 
and saying that you guys are intentionally taking way more as a form of punishment for basically these newfound rights you have. Every time there's a change, it never works for strippers, for the workforce. This is uh, the corporate buy message that we're supposed to get that a lot of dancers are getting right now. The corporate buy message is, see, it's bad to be an employee. It's better to be an independent contractor. That's actually 100% false. Um, as employees, we have the right to organize, which we don't have as an independent contractor. We have the right to talk about our workforce exploitation, meet and associate as workers, which means commiserate, which means organize, which means fight back. You can't do that as an independent contractor. We found the fine print that said that as an employee, yeah. you get to set your own prices. <laughs> yeah. We found yeah. that fine print. Yeah. They don't want us doing that. Um, so all of these things that we actually have a right to, they're trying to tell us, see, it's bad to be an employee. We're making it, they're making it very hard on us. And this is, this is from 1901. They have been doing this, these, these tactics. These classic union busting tactics To weaken and dampen our yes. Would you say that like the misinformation campaign works on dancers yes. or no? Oh, 100%. They yeah. are using divide yeah. and conquer yes. tactics. You uh -huh. know, they're yes. tiering the nights that only certain, you know, favored dancers can mm -hmm. work the most, you know, profitable nights. They're, you know, spreading discontent. And so they're trying to divide you guys. Absolutely. Definitely. They're intimidating and directly. And so part of your work, in addition to trying to change all this stuff, is actually like just outreach, right, to people so that they understand why organizing yes. benefits them and Absolutely. how they're going to get screwed if they don't. Yes, yeah. how they're being screwed. So basically how people learn and how other workforces have the successful unionizers, steel workers, teamsters, longshoremen, um, longshoremen um, SAG after the writers, uh, yeah. Even the teachers. teachers. Yeah, that was a we huge We have a ton win. in common with, with every workforce. We have a long history of fighting exploitive working conditions in California. Uh, I think we can be very successful, but it's a long game because stigma, sex industry, stigma, the saddest thing I've seen that I've seen over 26 years is a woman who's smart, intelligent, and beautiful with three kids handing over her money for no reason. Because you know why? Stigma. And because she's used to doing that. We're because treated as disposable told. workers. The management tells us, oh, you don't want to work here? Fine, don't work here. There's three girls who will take your place tomorrow. Yeah, mm -hmm. be grateful for what you made. Mm -hmm. That's swelling be grateful the load. Be for the scraps yeah. we throw you mm -hmm. after we... I was just going to say, are your weekly meetings your main way to reach other dancers? Or how do you try to spread the word about this? Well, we have a newsletter that goes out, Soldiers of Pole, and we have Instagram. Yeah, social they're media. Great, they're great at social media. So we're doing Instagram. We have a website. What's yeah. your handle? Um, it's soldiers.of.pole at gmail or that's or that's the instagram handle and it's soldiers dot of pull at gmail.com if anyone wants to email us and soldiers of pull.com is <laughs> our website of pull .com, that's what i meant you to can say. find yeah. us <laughs> yeah if you just google soldiers of pull yeah. we should be we the top up, hits right. at this yeah, point. i saw that today yeah. nice yeah and we're writing articles for the media um stormy daniels just wrote a letter to la la times yeah she wrote an op-ed about shilling for the big corporation yep. As a paid spokesperson. Yep, as, as a paid, paid spokesperson for a huge corporation. We got in a huge, nasty fight on Instagram. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> I'm like at the strip club, super pissed, Blood telling her to suck the my roof. stripper dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, we told Stormy Daniels to suck our stripper dick. We did. We do that a lot. We say, That's like a catchphrase of my I start dick. a slow clap. <laughs> 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 so, you, Antonia, I, actually, you just had a new article come out. 
about the strike and how to support your local club. And can you talk a little, did all I? of you guys? Which one? The Mel what Magazine one. How to the support Mel your magazine. favorite stripper during Walsh. Oh, magazine. yeah, the Mel Magazine. Yeah. That, was that was for, actually, I, that was for uh, allies and regulars at the strip club. How to support your local stripper. Yeah, Can Mel you give magazine. us a couple hot tips from? Sure. Um, follow our social media. Show up to our events. Bring tacos. Yeah. Come pick it with us. And we have something special to announce. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we doing this? Yep. We're doing this. Let's do this. We're having a wildcat stripper strike Friday night in front of crazy girls. Yep. Fuck yeah. What does a stripper strike look like? Tell us. We're going to show up with signs. We're going to picket them. We're in the middle of, you know, it's Sunset and La Brea. We're going to be in the middle of Hollywood on Friday night. Oscar weekend. Oscar weekend. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. I love the Everyone's invited. Please come. Show up with your signs. Show up with your clear heels. And support us. Show that, you know, we just supported the teachers. Like, L.A. is a worker-friendly town. It is. Yes. I'm going to come. I have good information. I have good inside information that Crazy Girls is currently stealing, on average, about $1,000 a week from each dancer. Oh. Damn. What a So our signs say stop wage theft in three languages. Yes. And also, um, what is your fabulous slogan that I love so much that's on the newsletter? With Um, a heel? Oh, um, we're the soldiers of pole, and we have standards higher than our heels. Yes. (laughs) So this isn't just like pie in the sky, though. Like you've been a part of a successful Mm -hmm. unionization with the lusty lady in San Francisco. And what does it look like when strippers are happy and supported and able to unionize? You know, it, it looks like community. It looks like this. Like we have it. Uh, we just need to get strippers to reject the narrative that they have been sold their whole lives, which is that you're worth nothing and because you're a slut, you should pay to work. And that is like so, it's the opposite of that. Strip clubs wouldn't exist without strippers. The sex industry wouldn't exist without fucking sex workers. We and make the money for them, the not money. the other way around. Exactly. And we're not your business and we're not your product. And in fact, I would argue even that capitalism is a failure and that we're, we're not even, you can't even really consume us. We're just being paid for our time and our entertainment. Yeah. And, uh, and so we need to tear the system apart. So it looks like community and it looks like we have every right to fight for better working conditions, to fight wage theft, to just, we want simple things. We're not even talking about workers' comp. Have yeah, we we're talking talked about, about really, comp? really reasonable. We are like, now that we wage it, which is so collectively here. <laughs> you guys are absolutely <laughs> reasonable things. Yeah, yeah. we are athletes. Are athletes. We are therapists. You, we are psychologists. We are yeah, salespeople. Yeah. yeah, we have no recourse. We have and zero recourse. The nope. clubs, yeah, they don't clean the poles. Like, no. they don't. Yeah. Girls have gotten staff infections at clubs I've worn down. We just want a there safe. Are stories. We want a safe, oh, yeah. insane work environment. Like, those are great yeah. things to want, and I'm not saying we don't want them. Health insurance, workers' comp. But that's what we're But let's start with safety. The bar is not super yeah. high here. Yeah. Like, we're just for looking for the basic protections afforded literally Protection every safety. other employee yeah, in the like U.S. No, safe and sane work no harassment. How about no sexual assault in no, the strip clubs? Yeah, no sexual assault. Not protecting rapist employees. No, yeah, no, about, no protecting yeah. rapist co- clients or employees. How about, let's stop with the Jim Crow era hiring and firing. Absolutely. Yeah. And the body shaming and the random, uh, just the random tip stealing. The racketeering yeah, the and, wage theft. and wage theft. This list is hella long, but can I just say we support you? And I think it's really important for people that aren't sex workers to show up and be allies because it is legit work. It is. And are doing. I think it's also what you were mentioning about capitalism. Um, 
what this is what it looks like when a society puts capitalism above people you know we just visited finland and it was insane to see a country that operates where they invest in their people they consider that to be their greatest resource and when i hear like you guys talking or Mm. any or teachers or anybody we don't value people here we don't value what they bring to our lives yes. what we value is the money that they can yeah. make for a corporation yes which then makes it so that asking for basic rights has been so stockholm syndromed into our heads really? that it's like it, it seems crazy to just be like can you pay us if we get hurt yeah. Can, Can you, you make pay it so that no wage? one rapes us at work? Right. And Stigma. it seems insane to say mm-hmm. that, that that's like a minimum thing that you guys mm-hmm. want, but that's right. why we should all show up for you because... Well, a lot yeah. of people are shocked that to learn that we don't make an hourly wage as it is right now mm-hmm. and that we have to pay to work. That's because we've been silenced for years and not able to talk about this. Literally, it's been illegal for independent contractors to speak about... Any working condition. Yeah, you can't amongst speak. each other. It's a you violation want to of any trust union, laws. Union busting. Yeah, you know. You mean the um, how independent contractors? How it that was, was a considered union. a corporate win yeah. back uh, when the Teamsters and steelworkers were they were doing everything they could. They were employing people to um, get an independent contractor status so that people could be their speech could be sharply curbed and curtailed. That you can't. So that they speak can't about you can't speak about money, money as an independent your, contractor. It's collusion. It's illegal uh-huh. co- collusion yeah. in violation of antitrust laws. Yeah. And unionized employees laws, are exactly. exempt from those antitrust laws. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if as independent contractors, it mm-hmm. would be illegal for us to even do this because they yeah. would technically be colluding as independent business entities. Yep, exactly. That's so fucked up. Also about feminism. Um, if feminism is about uh, one important thing, it's about having agency over our own bodies and our lives. And that's why we really need feminists and women to stand by sex workers as we fight our basic uh, workforce conditions and the safety of our workplace. And they have always turned their backs on us for the most part. And we really need for them to like think about work in a different way and think about feminists having agency over our own bodies and fighting the system that has failed us in so many ways. And I wish feminists would join hands. We show up for them. And all we sex workers. We show up for non-sex we do. worker fems and Yeah. And we show up for women. together. We show are up for trafficked people <laughs> more than any anti-trafficking yeah, NGO. Yeah, exactly. we can have that conversation oh with yeah, feminists. At some point, yeah. We need to have that conversation with feminists about what sex trafficking is. Oh and if, show me what, show me one person who understands sex trafficking and I will show you a slew of sex workers who actually know what it is to help one person. Who've lived it. Who have lived who it. Who have helped girls escape yes. it and yep. who are actively combating it. Yeah. yeah. So they can, you know, suck our stripper dicks. <laughs> that is the perfect place to stop. Thank you so much for the work that you guys are doing and sharing your story with us today. And we totally support you. And we're really thank happy. You guys. Thank you for being thank on you the so front, much, and front lines. And you do so much. You're all wearing so many hats. It's not enough that you're like therapists and athletes and all this other shit. You're like, oh, yeah, now we're also like badass Labor unionizers. Yeah. <laughs> NBD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank, thank you for you. supporting us. Thank, thank you for having us. So it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, we love you guys. You. Whew, you guys, that was a powerful one. Yeah, I, that was incredible. I, to be totally honest, I almost started crying like a couple times during yeah. that interview. And all the hair on my body stood up several times because that was truly insanely powerful 
And uh, guys, if you want to help the ladies out and join in the effort, um, if you're in Los Angeles, the action is tonight at 9 p.m. And you can find more information. On Instagram, they're at soldiers.of.poll. You can also, you know, at the end of the interview, Sophie and I were desperately brainstorming, like, how can we help these ladies? And we came up with a couple ideas, but we'd love to hear from you guys, too. We're happy to put you in touch with the group. Um, Yeah, if you want to throw some money, some time their way, uh, let us know. We can connect you with Antony and the ladies. And uh, also, we're going to probably be doing a comedian fundraiser. So you should come out to that if you're local. Email us at privatepartsunknown at gmail.com. That's our squeaky clean new email. We're so excited for some some new mail in our inbox. Also follow us on social media. We're at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram, Facebook, Private Parts Un on Twitter. And join our Facebook group where you can also um, plan like little actions like when we're all going out to support the ladies, but also so you guys can make some new friends and hook up with people in different cities. Our private group is private, private parts unknown. So yes, we cannot wait to bring you Helsinki. So it's going to be so dope. See you soon. Bye. Bye.